Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Dr. Me First. It's me, your colleague in medicine and coach in life, Dr. Freaking Aaron Wiseman. And I am having an awesome conversation today with our colleague, Dr. Ailey Cohen. So when she first submitted her word, which was toxic chemicals, I was like, "Uh uh-oh, what are we going to do here? Not that I got a little judgy, but I may have been like, hmm, where's she going to go with this? But I'm so excited to share that she's a rheumatologist. She specializes in nutrition, integrative medicine. She freaking wrote an environmental health textbook. I just, I didn't know how big of a deal she was until we got into the episode. (laughs) She has a TED Talk. She's got an amazing website. And she's got a new book that's just come out as well. And so we get into all of this. The conversation at first, like I said, I didn't know where it went, but it was pretty freaking awesome. So listen to this conversation and then stick around afterwards for my kick of encouragement. Here we go. Welcome to the podcast, my friend and fellow colleague, Dr. Ailey Cohen. It is so great to have you here with me today. It is a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me, Erin. All right. Well, tell a little bit about yourself and the magic you're putting out into the world. Oh, cool. I love how you just said that. So basically, I'm a rheumatologist by training, uh, internal medicine and rheumatology, typical doctor training fellowship. And then I was very interested in, in nutrition, but I didn't really know much about it. Of course, as most of your listeners understand, we don't get any of that important stuff in medical school even now. And I ended up taking a fellowship with Dr. Andrew Weil's program uh, at the University of Arizona, essentially teaching me all about integrative medicine for two years. And it is a board certified specialty now. People should know that. It actually is a legitimate testing program. And so got board certified in that. And while I was doing that, I actually stumbled across, unfortunately, the idea of environmental health, which was because my dog became very sick. And I talk about that in my book. The introduction is all about how I got into environmental health. And that really kind of merged with working with Dr. Weil. And I eventually put together a textbook that he had said I should do through his series called Integrative Environmental Medicine through Oxford. And then, of course, now, you know, eight years later uh, from the original, you know, connection, I'm now doing a consumer book, which we can hopefully talk about. Oh, my God. I didn't know about the textbook. I knew about the like layperson book. That's amazing. Yeah. Thank you. It's actually I look back and I think like, boy, that that was really hard to do because of the, the standards. And we had 26 contributing experts from around the world who really are environmental health toxicologists, biologists, environmental specialists, even some doctors that were amazing from Hopkins. And and so we all came together to put together um, chapters on drinking water, chapters on the gut microbiome and chemicals, stress and chemicals, you know, food additive chemicals was a whole chapter, radiation and EMF radiation. And so that had all the specialists. And then, you know, I wrote the chapter called proactive approaches to reduce environmental chemicals for that textbook. And I co-edited it with Fred Vomsal, who's incredible. And so basically this new book is a jump off from that, which is mostly a guidebook from what I had learned and, you know, and, and picked up from, from the textbook writing. So it's the best we have to offer. And I think it's, I think it's pretty darn good if you ask me. Oh my God, that's so good. And yeah, so your words today that we're going to talk about is toxic chemicals. 
So I would love to hear the story as far as jumping into this and and the power that you have found about talking about this. Yeah, I think, you know, I started off about eight or nine years ago as a new mom. I had two little uh, boys and we had a golden retriever puppy and he was about four and a half when he got sick. And my kids are like maybe three and one at the time. So we were pretty busy. I was, you know, a rheumatologist at the time as well. And the dog got ill and I thought, you know, he's probably swallowed a sock or did something like that, which, you know, dogs do. And we took him to the vet. And at that point, was already turning a little yellow, even though I didn't, I couldn't see it because he's a golden. But anyway, the long and the short of it is we got him to the vet and we're really shocked to find out that he actually had autoimmune hepatitis, which is incredibly ironic since I'm an autoimmune disease doctor as a rheumatologist. So here I am looking at this dog thinking, how did this dog get that? Which is not only rare in dogs, but particularly rare in this breed as we, we found out with the vet. And, you know, I nursed him with, you know, six months, my husband's a physician and we would put the dog, we would put the kids to bed and then we would actually, you know, uh, drain his abdomen from the ascites. Uh, We would, we had an ultrasound guided mark on his belly. I mean, you know, I was treating him like a human to make his life comfortable, the end of his life. So, you know, while he was, you know, passing away, essentially, I was just heartbroken. So I started to explore what might have triggered his immune system against himself, as I do with patients, of course. And I started looking into his food quality and whether it was contaminated. I started looking at, you know, we live in central New Jersey, which is filled with pesticides as, you know, most of the country, but we're the garden state. So New Jersey is particularly, you know, toxic on many levels. And I thought about the glyphosate that's being sprayed right outside of my children's bedrooms pretty much once or twice a year thought about, you know, his dog collar and whether or not putting that, you know, neurotoxin of a flea and tick medicine is really a good idea and what that had done to his body. And also the toy that he was sucking on. He had a a red toy that he never let out of his mouth. So as I was exploring all of these exposure, potential uh, exposure risks, I was unveiling an an enormous amount of information about how we lack oversight and regulation for the majority of chemicals that are in, on, and around us. And I just could not believe it. I kept on almost by myself in my kitchen going side to side, looking at, you know, my dog and my cat, you know, my, my new dog and my cat, I guess at the time later on, are you kidding me? Is this really true? And I just started doing a deep dive and finding out that this is really true, that we really do lack oversight for contaminated drinking water. You know, our water is pretty dirty nowadays across the country, not just in Flint, Michigan. We lack oversight and regulation for the over 3,000 to 10,000, depending, uh, chemicals that are allowable in food. Uh, I, you know, started looking at the personal care products that actually have no requirements for any of the ingredients used on them, whether you put them on your kids, whether you put them on your body, whether you uh, use tampons and put them inside your body and other feminine care products air quality chemicals and cleaning product chemicals and stain guard chemicals and greasing chemicals and all the industrial chemicals, pesticides. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And I was just blown away. And I started just kind of working through this, uh, going to conferences, connecting with the right vetted people and the right groups. And I was kind of self-taught and it's gotten to a point where I can I think intelligently talk to people in, in every crowd that's involved in this topic and really understand the language and then try to communicate it back to an everyday person, which is what I was eight years ago and, and needed to hear. So as you've jumped into this and you got more and more information and you saw more and more of like what was sitting on your shelves at home, 
How do you not get freaked out? Because like, <laughs> oh, I didn't say I didn't get freaked out. Let me tell you, it, it's a journey. I mean, so I'm eight years past, nine years past that time period. And I have to tell you, if I were to graph, because that's what we like to do as medical people, if I were to graph my emotional status going through a lot of what I was uncovering, it just was all over the place, up, down, freak out, calm down, you know, put my hands up in the air, forget about it to full force, I'm going to do this. And, you know, the idea was, you know, if I could go through all of that, and I loved my cheese whiz and my cookies at the time. I mean, I really wasn't even a great eater. I wasn't really holistic. I wasn't really doing all sort of the health and wellness stuff. I was stressed, you know, like it was a journey, not just from a chemical perspective. It was a journey of just realizing that so much of what is around us, whether it's stress, noise pollution, synthetic light, poor sleep, food quality, water quality, personal care, whether it's any of those things, they all contribute to human health, good, bad, or ugly. And I think that I work not just in one aspect, but I really started to think about exercise and running and stress management. I got out of a job that was stressful. You know, I really started to understand why I was on this planet as best I could, what my purpose was. And it took a lot. It really did take a lot to do a lot of the choice, make the choices that I made career-wise. I had some great support from my husband, but I've got to tell you, this, this was a journey emotionally, financially, and otherwise to get where I'm at now. And, I'm, and I feel so much better about those choices. Again, a lot of it was hit and miss, but no risk, no glory. So, you know, now that's where we're at right now. And I think that's an amazing journey and a hundred percent truth that I help so many women through that journey. So many physicians, so many professional working moms who it's almost like you have the light bulb moment and then you have the total utter like lose your shit freak out because you're like, I can't even conceptually see how this is going to work out, how I'm going to modify it. And I love your very truthful honesty in, in like, it really is ups and downs and backs and forth, two steps forward, five steps back. But now looking back eight years now, you can honestly say like, I'm so glad I took those initial first steps and said not. Yeah. I, I mean, look, it was a convergence on every level. The more I wanted to share and educate, you know, I started this platform called The Smart Human on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. It's all The Smart Human. Uh, the website that I, I rated was thesmarthuman.com, which, you know, carries a lot of my podcasts and, and any articles I'm writing and, and other great resources. You know, the more I wanted to be creative and the more I wanted to educate, because I, I teach high school, done pilot projects in high schools, which is how the TED Talk came about. If people want to look that up, it's about 13 minutes on YouTube if you type in my name. The more I started getting into things I enjoyed, the more I realized that in many ways, my, my medical practice had to change in some way to be able to do both. And, you know, you can't do everything and have a family and keep a marriage together, I think, or, you know, whatever your choice is, whether it's, you know, anything, anything, having pets even. I mean, you can't do everything or at least everything well, in my opinion. I couldn't do it everything well. So I decided to figure out how to do that. And a lot of it had to do with, you know, changing my business model for my medical practice in a way that I could live with. And, and also in terms of the hours so that the other days that I am not working with patients, I can really create educational curriculum. I could lecture. I could travel at the time. 
which may not have made me any money and still probably doesn't really do that, but it, it fills my soul. And so, you know, again, you have to make these trade-offs with, you know, your income, your, your spouse's income, whatever you may be using to, to kind of make those decisions for, for what your plans are. So, you know, I think that's so true that you can't do everything that the world has available or everything that the world tells you to do, but you can do everything that you want to do and what you were created for. And I think that's a huge distinction as high-performing, high-achievers that we have to get to a point to realize is that, you know, as a little girl, I remember being told, like, you can have anything you want, but no one ever directed me and showed me, like, what is it the thing that you really, 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 really want? And I find so many women in your exact spot where you were at, like having these epiphanies and then just being scared shitless to be like, oh my God, but that's counterintuitive to how I was always raised. But you're absolutely right. Like you can have your cake and eat it too. You can have both. You can have medicine. You can have the book. You can have the travel. You can have the TED talk. Maybe not all in the same quantities, but if it's important to you, that can be a part of your recipe of life. But it's so important to build those boundaries up to be like, but I don't have to be everything to everybody in this world. Like some messages, 100% is not made for everybody. I've just had so many haters recently in my Instagram DM box about taking a stance that Black Lives Matter and talking about equality and being an ally. I've really become very vocal about it. And I've been so disappointed that it's actually been a couple people that I went to med school with and some colleagues as well. That And I've, I've really had to root into that to be like, I'm not everybody's special sauce. And that is okay. Yeah, I came across something very similar to that. This past week, I was posting on getting the flu shot, but getting the flu shot in a way that limited any, um, you know, for adults to understand that you can ask for single dose vials without the thimerosal risk, which we know in kids has been taken out of theirs, but not necessarily an adult flu shot that you get every year for whatever reason, if that's what you choose, whatever you choose, right? So I posted on some of the ways to make a flu shot a little bit safer in terms of risk, but also saying that this is really important with COVID exposure right now. And I took a picture of myself to getting the flu shot and, you know, it's on Instagram if people want to see. The amount of vitriol that came out of that shot really, and I, and I, you know, I tried to say a couple things back, you know, this is personal choice, it's up to you, blah, blah, blah. And I reached out to, by the way, to social media physician, female friends of mine that I really respect and they were coaching me to how to handle some of these this misinformation that was being spewed out. And at some point, I had to stop the commenting because it was getting so distracting for what my message was, which is, listen, we need to judge vaccines on their individual merit, on the science and the bet and the value of their individual merit. And you know whether I choose to do a flu shot, which we know has been on the market for a very long time, and you know I'm looking at the ingredients and how I take it. You know, we all have our own choices, but I also realized at that moment that I had to decide what I believe in. And, you know, it's a scary moment when you're losing 50 or 60 followers on Instagram within minutes of posting something and realizing that, you know, and someone even wrote, you know, this is going to hurt your business. And I thought, I don't even do any of this for business. It's I'm an educational platform. Uh, I don't make endorsements, branding. I haven't monetized the smart human my books don't make me money. I mean, I can assure you, I put more money into advertising them to get these babies out than I'll ever recoup. Uh, So that was a weird question and that someone had mentioned or statement. 
But I realized what I believe in, I do believe in Western medicine. I ha- it has its limitations. As we all know, I have a whole chapter on medications in this new book of mine so that people understand some of the big classes of drugs and what they can do in terms of health risks. But it really, as you said, you, you, you almost have to almost, you know, define who you are at a certain age. You get old enough and strong enough to say, you know what? This is where I'm at. This is what I believe. And if I lose 50 followers, and wouldn't you know it, within three days, I have 50 new followers. And I got people maybe on board that are actually more consistent with what I believe, which is certainly fine. But anyway, I just thought that that story was so interesting and made me really introspective, actually, because I, I, I have to define what kind of holistic doctor I'm going to be. Not and let people push you right, off right. of what is core centered to you. I've gotten to the point on my social media, because again, you're right, like social media doesn't make me money in the bank. It's just mm-hmm. something fun to do. It puts stuff out there. I'm not in any way getting paid for it. I mean, I wish I was, but I'm not. And so what I've really, I push back and I'm like, you got things to say, you go say it on your account. You don't pollute up my comment section and I get rid of people and I delete shit. Yeah. And people want to yell freedom of speech, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, go do it on your, but don't bring your filth and drop it in my yard. Yeah. And I think it's a matter of protecting the public. I feel like I have an obligation as, as uh, a well-trained 20 year, you know, rheumatologist, internist, environmental health, you know, I have enough of, I believe, you know, information from years of study to make a reasonable uh, decision about some of these really important medical concepts. And, you know, listen, I may not be for everybody if that's something you feel strongly about, and that's okay. Uh, And it's not to invalidate the fact that there are problems with vaccines. There are times when you can have a reaction. That is absolutely true. It's the idea that you know, you have to start to pick what your general themes are in your life and you have to surround yourself with supportive colleagues. So I, you know, I do, I, I, I surround myself with people who I think are legitimized by their training and by their messaging and, um, and you find your village. And that's what I've done with this whole journey. I found a village of people that really support what I'm doing. And, and, and it's been really actually amazing since the book launch to see how many people have, have rallied behind this work and what I'm doing. That's so So. right. It's so true. And I think it's just so important to recognize that in this world that where people are spewing hate, like it's okay to have diverse points of view and come from different places and still be able to talk to each other and walk away, maybe not as friends, but on a neutral playing field. This is what I really hate is when people are all about like tearing down and smearing. Like you said, you're an expert in the field. Like, I'm sorry, but they don't get to come after you for that. They may not agree with you, but they can move on. And so I'm glad that what you're doing, you're putting out into the world in a very, you make your own personal choice, but you don't get to step on me with it. So you've mentioned the book a few times. Tell us about the title and tell people a little bit more about how maybe they can use it for themselves, their families, their patient populations. So thank you um, for teeing that up. So the book is called Non-Toxic, Guide to Living Healthy in a Chemical World. We had to fight uh, for words like guide to uh, with Oxford. It's published through Oxford University Press, who's been wonderful, but we had some really interesting moments on how to title this because I felt that this book is 1,000% a guidebook. And without telling people that, I think people would think it's just a novel about how horrible the world is. 
So the point of this book is not only just to give, you know, an uh, understanding of, you know, where we at, we're at with chemicals. We have over 90,000 commercial and industrial chemicals that are available in the U.S. It's rising every year. Every year we get 1,000 new chemicals on the market. Uh, we um, have over 1,000 what are called endocrine-disrupting chemicals that we now know of through third-party testing, university-level research. And only five chemicals have ever been removed from the U.S. market in, in our history. I mean, essentially from 19, I should say from 1976 um, under Tosca, but essentially five chemicals have ever been removed. And we're looking at Europe, which has 1,200 to 1,500 chemicals removed. And, you know, what it comes down to is the government of the U.S. really does um, have a bias towards manufacturing and, and it protects manufacturings in terms of their formulations. They believe, you know, the word fragrance or perfume on a label is actually proprietary. So we as consumers um, are not even allowed to understand what chemicals go into that one word, which can be up to 300 chemicals in all of our, you know, perfumed uh, fragrance products, for instance. And so what we wanted to do, Dr. Vamsal and I, and Vam, Dr. Vamsal is, is pretty well known for having removed from his research, having helped remove BPA from baby bottles, plastic baby bottles in 2012. So he is, he is a real emeritus bench researcher, non-clinician, a PhD in neurobiology. So this guy is is kind of the, you know, the guy. So what we did was we combined our efforts, you know, his really unbelievable um, integrity in terms of lab work and research with my clinical experience of what I'm seeing on the front lines of people being ill and seeing the rise in autoimmune disease, seeing the rise in diabetes in young children, and as well as adults, seeing the increase in, in hormone disruption of the thyroid in younger and younger people, um, more hormone-sensitive cancers that are now being discovered, and really understanding how the chemicals in our environment, in our everyday products, really play into those risks. And so the book is a guidebook. It's what's, what the problem is, but what we can do about it. It's filled with solutions, with vetted resources, with lists, with tear-off sheets, with charts, I have recipes for, you know, foods that and drinks that actually have the most appropriate foods and ingredients that help detox the body physiologically. Uh, we talk about detoxing through sleep, through stress management, but we have chapters on meds. You know, how many people are on medications and may need to understand a little bit better about how they work and what those risks are. It's not to say all meds are bad. I use them all the time. I need them. I'm a rheumatologist. It's to know how to judiciously walk through uh, this this chemical world, which includes medications. You know, I, I look at it as like the guidebook I wish I had, and I think that's often out of frustration. So be it. And and I'm I'm really excited that it it could really help people along their journey. And again, this is a journey. You know, you don't end up waking up one morning and just getting all these things tweaked. You you work on one thing at a time that feels comfortable for you, and that's how I did it. And I'm still on a journey. So you know, you dive in where you feel comfortable, and and it meets you where you're at. Well, Dr. Cohen, thank you so much for coming on, for having conversation with me today, for, you know, putting your work out into the world. It's a really brave step. And I'm just so excited to call you friend and call. Oh, you're a sweetheart. And, and honestly, it, it really does take a village. So I appreciate the time to even share my book and, and really to, to talk to your audience. So thank you. I told you right. Such a good conversation. Thank you so much, Dr. Cohen, for coming in, for shedding some light into an area that honestly, I've been a little scared to like break into. 
but I'm now more confident. I even have your book in my Amazon cart. So there you go. You're going to get one more sale from a fellow colleague. Before we jump into my kick of encouragement today, I want to remind you, the Be Happy Now Masterclass is happening soon. So it's always the last Sunday of the month. This is a free opportunity where you can come and hang out with me, learn some tangible tips, have some laughs and fun on a Sunday afternoon so that you can see what group coaching and working with me is like. Because I really love podcasting, but it can get a little one-sided. So I want to interact with you as well. So in the show notes, you will find how you can sign up for the masterclass, where it is, it's on Zoom, what time it is, and all of that goodness. And this month in October, we are specifically going to focus on boundaries. So get over to the masterclass, come have fun with me, and come meet in a safe space so many other lady docs who are wanting to do the amazing work from moving from where they're at into the most amazing, glorious life and work. All right, now for the kick of encouragement. Who can you trust in this conversation? There's a question I recently asked to a fellow female physician that I was talking with. We had been coaching around some situations that was happening in her clinical life. And the question just spilled out of my mouth. Like, who can you trust? She went on a couple minutes talking about all the people in her workplace, her organization that she couldn't trust. And so my next question was, do you feel like you can trust yourself in this situation? And she told me, no. And it broke my heart, to be perfectly honest. I think it's one of those detriments to being super scientific and trying to find all the evidence and be super factual, is that we've lost the ability to tap into our own intuitive knowing. You know, that like gut feeling or that little thing inside of you where you're kind of like, spidey sense, something's not right here, or you need to say something a little bit differently. You know, the whole like, follow your heart mantra. (laughs) So many times I felt that pull, but ignored it, at least into the last couple years when I have started tuning into it and saying, hmm, maybe there is something to this. So I asked her, when's the last time that your gut led you down the wrong path. Or at least you can really look back and be like, oh, that was a terrible, awful idea. And she said, probably not since I was a teenager. And I was like, girlfriend, those years are long gone. So what would it be like to trust yourself, to follow your heart? And I asked the same for you. When you're approached with a decision or something's going on, like tapping in and asking like, hey, self, What do you think is going on with this? Now, just like any part, any instrument that hasn't been used for a while, it may take some calibration to like getting back in touch with that and knowing what that sensation is and trying to tease out when is this just my like crazy anxiety brain versus actual knowing. And some advice that I had got from a business coach that I work with is she talks about that your like brain chatter or what I call thought tornado doesn't get quiet. There's always constant streams of words. But that inner knowing, your intuition, typically is just a few powerful words. And that's how you can kind of know the difference. 
That inner intuition is never the mean girl. It's never self-deprecating. It's never negative Nancy. It's usually typically neutral and, again, speaks in small, soft ways. So, I ask you, how can you trust the GPS of your heart in knowing what route to take in your life? And when it seems like it's taking too long to get what you want, you can know that maybe it's some cool, weird knowing that you get to have along the way. So I encourage you with this kick of encouragement. Trust yourself. Because that girl, she knows what she's doing. Excited about the masterclass that's starting? Oh, also, Burnt Out to Badass group course. We're going to do a second cohort starting November 22nd. So if you missed out on the first round of signups, come on in the second one. I think you're really, really going to enjoy it. It's been an absolute blast. Okay, my friends, this has been a great episode. I've loved hanging out with you. And remember, your life, your calling, your pulse matters.